Hey there, I'm the Kentucky Guy, and thank you so much for listening to the Red Pill Current News Podcast. Here at the Red Pill Current News Podcast, we strive on bringing you news that you won't find in the fake media every day. We also strive to bring you the truth, not only on politics, but the world news all around, including pop culture and so forth. As for myself, I worked in the private sector for around 25 years in the call center management and health insurance industry. Uh, Due to unforeseen circumstances and health issues, I was forced into early retirement last year. Now, a couple years ago, I noticed that something just wasn't sitting right with the way our country was being ran or being politicized as. So I started doing research, a lot of research. And that's why I'm able to now host this podcast. I've been on other shows as well, discussing my views. I'm also on social media. I'm on The Clapper, Rizzle, TikTok, Truth Social, Facebook, and many more. You can find me at the KY Guy, Kentucky Guy, KY Guy, or KY Guy 80. Different ones. Somebody had my name on other platforms, of course. <laughs> All right. So, yes, and I uh, do want to let you know that we do drop a new episode here every every Wednesday and Saturday. So be sure to uh, hit that follow or subscribe button. No matter where you're listening to, we are on all podcast platforms. All right. So I hope you enjoyed today's show. And again, God bless and God bless America. and welcome to the red pill current news podcast i'm your host the kentucky guy i hope everybody's having a wonderful wednesday out there middle of the week hump day ready to go uh we are having an actual beautiful day here in the great state of kentucky uh going to go over a few house cleaning tips and then i want to get to our special guest here as soon as possible uh if this is your first time listening to the red pill current news podcast uh be sure to uh hit that follow or subscribe button uh we are on all major platforms including apple or uh, apple podcast and amazon music also for you wrestling fans out there i do host the show against the match wrestling podcast we do drop two episodes a week on there we are on major platforms as well including iHeartRadio. We drop episodes there every Monday and Friday. And here, of course, we do drop episodes, well, just about every day, but we're scheduled to do them every Wednesday and Saturday. All right, guys, so let's get into uh, a little bit of current news real quick, and then I want to get to our special guest. First thing is on the report from yesterday, uh, the special report, Nancy Pelosi did not get shot down by China, as I said. Uh, and she has officially left Taiwan. So, um, and, you know, continue her safety. I don't know what she's doing over there without any Republicans, kind of like the Ukraine, uh, Ukraine uh, trip. But anyways, uh, also in the news today, Arizona County election director is under fire. Yeah, they had an unprecedented, 
presidential amount of uh, in-person voters. Uh-huh. I wonder why. Hmm. 2020. Uh, yeah. But I uh, wonder uh, they ran out of ballots and they said that uh, they're very sorry and blah, blah, blah. So anyways, and also remember, according to fake President Biden, we are not in a recession. You know, not at all. <laughs> Jesus. All right. So let me uh, I want everybody to give a round of applause. Let's welcome the founder of Sovereign Man Publishing House. James Hickman show, joins the show today. James, how are we doing, sir? Great. Thanks very much for having me. Uh, thank you so much. So, James, since this is your first time being on the show, if you don't mind, if you could go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself, that would be great. <laughs> well, uh, let's see. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm 43, so I'll try and, I'm trying to distill that into a couple of sentences. But uh, I, I, um, I think I see the world in a fairly unique way. Uh, I am very fact-oriented, data-oriented. Um, I was in the military for quite some time, and uh, it was during my time in the military that I became very aware of uh, and really how valuable and precious uh, freedom and liberty are, and that's been a major uh, influence and impact in my life. I've traveled to 122 countries. I've, I've started companies all over the world. Um, I've done business with heads of state and, and uh, you know, and some, some large deals with, with some very large companies. And so it's given me kind of a unique perspective about what's happening in the world. And at this point, I'm, I'm really quite a student of history and economics and have a very, uh, I think, very strong views about what's happening in the world right now and, and why. And, and some time ago, as you referred to me as the founder of Sovereign Man, that's uh, a company that I founded uh, many years ago. And, and we send out uh, basically a daily email to uh, talk about some of these different things that are happening in the world. Fantastic. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm showing here, uh, I did my research a little bit. <laughs> I'm showing here that you are uh, served in the army as a uh, intelligence officer, uh, officer during the uh, operations Enduring Freedom and Operation Iraqi Freedom. So first and foremost, thank you so much for your service uh, from the bottom of all of our hearts. Thank you for your service. Thank you. And uh, so let's, um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm showing here that you're in a, I, I, I got to read up a little bit about the sovereign man. Uh, and uh, I think, uh, and you can explain more about your website, but uh, I think this is uh, one of the most important things. Uh, we've been talking a lot on this, on this podcast about there's a, uh, we're headed towards an economic reset, I think. And uh, I, I think, uh, I don't know how strong the dollar is going to be a year from now. And uh, I noticed that you uh, you mentioned gold, and I think gold is a, a great investment. Um, but if you want to explain more, uh, Mr. Hickman, about your website and about exactly what you do, I know you said you sent out emails, but, um, and what what's your thoughts about a great economic reset that I think is on the frontier. That's a that's a big question to tackle. I, I think it's probably important to to go back to history and understand that throughout all of human civilization, we can go back literally thousands of years, five thousand years of human history, and we can see a couple of things that are true. Number one is there's always been a dominant superpower, 
Uh, we can go back to the ancient Assyrians. We can go back to the, the Persian Empire or the Macedonians under Alexander the Great or the Mongols or uh, the Mughal Empire. There's always been a dominant superpower. There's also always been a dominant economic system. And by that, I mean, if we looked at different examples for a long time, for a thousand years, Europe existed under the yoke of the feudal system, where you had one guy at the top and some uh, lords and noblemen under the, under the king. Usually it was a king, sometimes an emperor. And then under that, you get to the bottom and, and it was the peasants and the serfs and so forth. And they didn't have really much in terms of private property ownership and, and, and all these things. And, and, and that was the dominant economic system at the time. These systems and these superpowers change over time. They always have. Uh, there is a, sometimes they're repeated regionally. For example, uh, there is a time where socialism was the prevalent economic system in Latin America. There was a time when communism was the dominant economic system, uh, obviously in Eastern Europe and a large part of the world. Yep. Uh, so we see these things that change and develop over time. Uh, Another thing I would say, you talked about the dollar, is that there's also been, throughout history, there have been dominant reserve currencies. There's always been a dominant currency. A uh, long time ago, over a thousand years ago, it was the, uh, the, the, the Byzantine gold solidus. This was a gold coin that was minted by the, the Byzantine Empire, essentially the Eastern Roman Empire, that was essentially the reserve currency used in international trade and commerce all over the world. They found... Uh, Archaeologists have found these, these gold uh, solidi coins as far off as, as, as the Orient and East Asia, all over Europe, North Africa, etc. So this was sort of the, the dollar of its day. And over time, that's also changed. There was a time where it was the, the, uh, the Real de Ocho, the, the Spanish uh, pieces of aid or the Venetian gold ducat uh, and so forth. And so the, there have always been these changes. And right now, it's the U.S. is the dominant superpower. The U.S. dollar is the dominant reserve currency in the world. And this sort of uh, Western quasi-capitalist structure is the dominant economic system. But what I believe that we're living through right now is a change in all of those things. As we, and when I say we, I really mean our species, our, our ancestors and forebears have, have experienced over and over and over again. If you were living in the Roman Empire in the 300s, you would have been seeing this exact same thing. If you were living in, uh, you know, if you're living in the Ottoman Empire in the, in the, in the, the 1600s and the 1700s, you would have seen the exact same thing. You would have seen the decline of the power and status of your nation or empire. You would have seen a shift in reserve currency. You would have seen even a shift in economic systems. And so this is, I believe, what we're experiencing right now. And uh, I, I think it's it's pretty obvious to anybody that's paying attention that the U.S. is simply, and I, I'm not saying this as an, as an emotional statement or a loaded statement. This is just merely a, a statement of rational uh, historical fact based on publicly available data. This isn't any wild conspiracy theory, but from an economic perspective, for sure, the U.S. is simply not as powerful as it used to be. The U.S. is far more debt than it ever has in its history, there's more debt than any other nation has accumulated in the history of the world. These deficits that they are continuing to accumulate are out of control. The current president was recently bragging about how he slashed the deficit. It's still almost a record high deficit. It's just a little bit less than what it, than what it used to be. 
And the fact that we only have a $2 trillion deficit is something that this guy's actually bragging about. He thinks that's a good thing. It, it, uh, any, any rational individual would look at that and say, that is utterly pathetic. And yet this is something that they're bragging about. If you look at uh, everything, I mean, anything for pension funds, for example, social security, the board of trustees for the social security trust funds, which essentially pay the retirement or fund the retirement and the lifestyles of tens of millions, 50, 60 million Americans, they put in, in an annual report that's signed by the board of trustees, which includes the treasury secretary of the United States, the secretary of health and human services, the secretary of labor, some of the senior most politicians in the country say that these trust funds will run out of money and literally within the next 10 years, right? So they're, they're telling you, you can circle a date on a calendar in which, the, in which the, the largest trust funds, which run the biggest, most important retirement program in the country are going to run out of money. So this, this, is, not, this is not something that, that I think anybody who's rational can point to and say, oh, that sounds like an economically powerful country. It's clearly a country that, that economically is far less powerful than it used to be. We can look at it from a military perspective and say, okay, well, what about, what about our military power? Well, um, I think the military is, is the U.S. military is, uh, is, has been for a long time and still is the most incredible fighting force that's ever been assembled in the history of the world. Having said that, part of it is not only the current capability, it's future capability and it's reputation. And the Defense Department and military spending, CapEx on new technology, R&D, et cetera, has been gutted. Uh, by successive Congresses. I think that probably one of the best examples of this is what they've done to the Navy, um, how they've, they're, they're, they've got a program deliberately to reduce the size and firepower uh, of the Navy, which the Navy, if you look, if you consider a potential war with China, which uh, you were just talking about, and, and, and that may be something on the horizon some point down the road, naval firepower is going to be a really important asset, and they're going out of the way to deliberately cut that. And I think if you look at that the most humiliating debacle probably in U.S. military history Afghan was, the, was Afghanistan. And honestly, every time I think about it, it makes me I, I literally I start to tear up because I it, when I think about all the people who died, both military and civilian uh, for this idea of what was supposed to have been peace and stability and so forth. And then it turns out, oh, well, it turns out there's there's I'm on Al-Zawahiri the whole time. <laughs> And, you know, they spent 20 years in Afghanistan, couldn't get this guy, then they, and then had the most humiliating withdrawal. Now, you tell me what world leader, what rival to the United States is going to look at that and say, wow, I don't want to mess with those guys. It, it's something that looks weak and embarrassing and shameful and humiliating. And we ran away from our allies. We ran away from the people that supported us and did not honor our promises and obligations. All these things all together paint a picture of a country that is clearly not at its peak power. Um, and this is why, and, and you, you, could, you could make the same argument about the dollar, it's nothing but debt, the inflation, uh, you know, we, we're seeing you know, 40 year high inflation. We see central bankers who admit that, I mean, the, it's a great quote from Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, uh, who was at a, a Bloomberg conference recently, who said, well, we we finally, we finally understand how little we understand about inflation. <laughs> now, this guy is supposed to be literally the world's foremost expert in monetary policy, runs the largest, most powerful central bank in the world, says, we finally understand how little we understand about inflation. So 
all these things, when you look at, you say, people don't have as much confidence in the currency. People don't have as much, people don't have the same level of, uh, when I'm, I'm talking about on it from an international perspective, rivals and even enemies, the United States don't have the same level of, of fear and awe, that shock and awe for the US military. Look at the US economy and, and, and can't have the same level of respect, see the, the, the lack of power. They see this political situation in the White House where you've got, uh, you know, just to be polite, um, people that are extremely incompetent, <laughs> if not outright corrupt. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm, I mean, people that, that cannot make decisions and not even my, my characterization, people within the White House now that are complaining that the person who's supposed to be in charge is incapable of making even basic decisions. They can't figure out this, this situation with baby formula. It is so utterly pathetic in the United States of America. And I think as a final point to this, I would point to the CHIPS Act and I would say, how sad is that? This is sort of the thing to me that is the culmination of that, the, the reserve currency, the economic system, the, the, the geopolitical and economic macro power of the, of the nation, the CHIPS Act. So they say, oh, well, we don't have enough chip capacity in the US. We don't have enough chip production. Say, so, well, you have some of the largest semiconductor manufacturers in the world, which for the most part are very profitable. And it's not like there's ever been a problem with money in the United States. It's not like over the past decade that there's been any problem with any viable business going out and raising investment capital. It's not like there's a lack of brain power in the United States. There's not a lack of anything in the United States. They don't lack the economic incentive. There's no problem with any of that. The problem is there's been all these bizarro policies ranging from, uh, you know, frankly, disgusting public health policy, a bizarre uh, series of priorities, energy policy, union policy, all these things that make it more difficult for people to produce. And so instead, the solution is, oh, we just need to throw more money at it. So you've got now, this is, this is emblematic of the shift in economic and the economic system, where it's no longer real capitalism. I mean, they've even changed the word. Klaus Schwab and all these guys, now they call it stakeholder capitalism, right? It's no longer actual real capitalism. They're, sh they're, they're changing the meaning of everything. And now it's not about shareholders. It's not about productivity. It's not about customers. It's not about any of that. It's about, it's, a, it's, a, it's about, you know, virtue signaling and making sure that everybody knows that you're doing nice fluffy things for the world and all these things, not, you know, God help us, we can't actually do business. We can't actually be productive businesses and productive citizens. And so the government has to step in now, right? So this is this almost communistic, very mercantilist approach where the government has to be the center of everything. The government feels like, oh, well, we can't fix this chip problem unless we throw hundreds of billions of dollars at it. You go, well, wait a minute. It was never a problem about money. The chip industry never lacked funding. When, was, when did you ever see the CEO of Intel peddling for change on the street saying, we don't have enough money to build a semiconductor plant? It's utterly ridiculous, right? They don't need government money. The, 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 the last thing they need is more government. They need less government. They need the government to get out of the way. They need to stop with these idiotic public health policies and the trade policies and the disputes and the union policy and the, and the woke identity policies and the stakeholder capitalism and all these things. But no, now the model is the government has to be involved. The government has to be at the center of everything. The government has to direct production. And worst of all, they're funneling hundreds of billions of dollars 
into these federal agencies now to that are supposed to be earmarked for research and development that these federal agencies have supreme executive authority in where to direct those funds. Now, when was the last time you ever saw a government bureaucrat as, a, as, as an arbiter of what's, you know, what's a good investment versus a bad investment when it comes to research, science and technology, research and development? These are the people that want to tell us that, you know, science means that there's, you know, 10,000 genders and, you know, two plus two equals white supremacy and all, all these sorts of things. Now they've completely reinvented science that wearing, you know, wearing a hundred masks is common sense, whatever. And this, this is what they consider science. And so these people that have redefined science, they've redefined math and biology and all these basic things now, they're in charge of research and development and, and, and doling out funds. I mean, that even the most basic stuff, these climate fanatics, they keep shoving money uh, and attention into solar and wind and things, but completely ignoring nuclear, which is far more efficient, far better, far far more cost effective over the long run, way lower. You know, if you care about CO2 footprint, all these way lower CO2 footprint, and yet they don't put any money or any attention towards towards nuclear, right? So these are the people that are in charge make these decisions. So my point is, all of this, we are seeing this shift. We're seeing a shift in currency. We're seeing a shift in geopolitical, uh, military, macroeconomic power. We're seeing a shift even in the fundamental economic system that drives our time. And we have a front row seat. We're literally living through all of this right now, right in front of our very eyes. Yep, I agree. And, you know, uh, I agree with everything you said. Um, there is now, in my, in my opinion, uh, there is a very small group that are actually still doing business. They don't want us, like you and I, the common person, to do business, as you mentioned. But they're still doing it, uh, and I call those people the elites. And just like you mentioned the CHIP Act, you know, it's got to be good now. I mean, it had to go through because uh, Ms. Pelosi invested $5 million in stock in it before the act was passed. So, you know, it's got to be good. It had to pass, right? Also, I did some research because uh, I was wondering about the South Asia trip. I, I, it just didn't make any sense to me. And come to find out, uh, a couple, one of the major chip industry factories or uh, places is right there in Taiwan. Yeah, uh, I, I'm sure that had nothing to do with their trip and why no Republicans were on it, but, you know, just... You know, I guess a coincidence like everything else. But, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. This White House is uh, grossly incompetent. I And Joe Biden is, this is, and this is my opinion, this is Barack Obama's third term. I really think he's been calling the shots on this. And on the economic part of it, I do believe that we're headed towards a reset. And I think there's, and James, you may disagree with this, or not think this way, <laughs> but I think there's actually uh, two parties involved in this. There's two different resets that we could actually hit. Uh, one is horrible. Is hor it, it takes away all of our freedom, and we're depending on government. And that's what they want, this elitist group. However, there is another group, I believe, behind the scenes, and I still believe even though they're going to win, I think that uh, there's still going to be an economic reset uh, with the uh, petrodollar. I, 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 I just I've done too much research and, uh, you know, it's happening. You mentioned the military, uh, you know, and uh, 
to the, uh, you're right, to the naked eye, the military looks like it's woke now. Uh, they can't get enough uh, in all departments, Navy, Army, all of them, Marines. Uh, they can't get enough recruits uh, because of the laws. Uh, I personally have family members that were kicked out of the military because they wouldn't take the jab, which is crazy. Uh, these are people willing to put their lives on the line, like you did, sir, uh, for their country. And they're kicking them out over a mandate that's not constitutionally even backed up. And well, I got one, I got one better for you, uh, I, I got to say. Like, I know people in the intelligence community huh? who are, I mean, people that do, let's say, you know, very, uh, very kind of high level black ops sort of things, right? And, you know, they're facing disciplinary action and full out, full on dismissal from their positions, getting basically kicked out of government, you know, 20 some odd years of service to their country in the intelligence community, doing things that are really dangerous. And frankly, um, from a national security perspective, quite important. They're also highly specialized in their skills. These aren't, you know, this is, it's, these aren't guys that just have, you know, sort James, of generic stuff. Are you still there? Mm -hmm. I'm still with you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what was the last thing that you heard. Are you still there? Hey guys, have you heard about Anchor by Spotify? It's the best and easiest way I've found to start a new podcast. Everything is right there. At Anchor, I can not only record my podcast, I can add music, I can add sounds, and much more. Also, I can trim and crop my podcast as well, all in one place, right there on my iPhone or computer. On Anchor, as a host, you can distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and many more. Everything is in one place. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. Best part of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app today, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, their job wasn't wasn't just dangerous uh uh but what else these are these are men with a very specialized skill set as as the i think some some politicians were were somewhat joking they said this is not the types of positions you can just put it post an ad on craigslist or linkedin whatever and just get you know wanted somebody with 25 years of black ops intelligence experience uh and yet these are you know th these are people that are going out getting information that was quite important to U.S. national security going out and infiltrating with 
terrorist groups, all sorts of things to, 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 to get this kind of information. And you're going to you're going to kick those people out because they won't get a shot. I mean, it's it's it is completely insane. What a, what a bizarre set of priorities to say we're we're going to choose to we're going to prioritize somebody submitting to some public health mandate more than the national security of this country. It, but frankly, for people that are supposed to swear an oath to support and defend the Constitution, it does seem like a really bizarre set of priorities to say we're going to fire somebody for not taking a shot and we're going to put our national security at risk and the, the, the national security of hundreds of millions of American people at risk because somebody won't get a shot. Totally insane. Yep, I agree 100 uh, percent. And, uh, you know, it's awful funny we're talking about the uh, intelligence community because uh, one of my uh, I guess you could call him one of my heroes. Uh, I think he's a very good man and has done a great job uh, previously in the last administration. Uh, Chris Miller, um, he, he was all about that intelligence and, uh, uh, you know, secret operations and so forth. I've done a lot of research on him. Before I forget, we do have a special guest with us Saturday. Uh, he was a former uh, in the Navy intelligence group. And left on his own after seven years. And boy, he has a story. So be sure to tune in for that, guys. But uh, yeah, so getting back on subject. Um, uh, yeah, so you you look at our military. And, you know, our military, and this is, it doesn't matter which branch of, of service you're in. Basically, you're there to protect the Constitution. You're there to protect the uh, United States and its independence against domestic and foreign terrorists and the intelligence community which you were a part of uh i mean they play a huge role in that especially uh the new uh the new laws i guess you could put or the executive orders that trump put in when he was in office uh uh calculating for the actual infrastructure of the united states now uh i don't know if you're aware of this but the united states of America Corporation um, is actually bankrupt. I don't know if you ever looked into that or anything, uh, but it is actually, it went bankrupt under Trump, and I think it was done on purpose, to be honest with you. Well, I'm not sure if you're talking about the the entire institution of the federal government. Um, I would say that's actually been insolvent for quite some time. Um, the Treasury Department puts out annual financial statements. Again, this is this is all this isn't you know the world according to James. This is the Treasury Department. This is publicly available information uh, put out by the Treasury Department. And so the, the the federal government's own financial statements show that they are woefully, pitifully insolvent to the tune of minus forty, fifty trillion dollars um, of insolvency. So uh, yeah, that that part of it is, is is absolutely true i'm not sure um which specific corporation you mean although there's a number of of uh sort of government um state-owned or state-sponsored entities and, and different corporations that you might be referring to i'm not sure which one you mean uh the act of 1871 uh changed the uh united states of america the republic to the united states of america the corporation and this is all out there anybody can find this and I tell everybody on every episode I ever have, do your own research, never take my word for anything. But in 2018, the United States of America Corporation went bankrupt. And I believe it was done on purpose. 
Now, yes, you, you're going to see they're printing money like crazy. I, I mean, they're doing these central banks and uh, this government are they can't get enough. Uh, and the last bill they just passed, I agree with it. The last version of it to help our veterans. I think it's uh, it's been needed for a long time. Uh, but this new act that they're pushing through uh, to combat inflation is only going to raise taxes on everybody. And it's going to put inflation. Oh, my goodness. It, it's it, it's just it's I don't see an end to it. Uh, Inflation is very easy to understand. Uh, you pump too much money in from the government during COVID is basically what it is. <laughs> I mean, inflation is not hard to understand. Um, and uh, this I, I just uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I just don't see I don't see a light at the end of this tunnel anytime soon. I, I do, but in a different way. Um, I think inf I think you're right. Inflation's not difficult to understand. I think it's a little bit more nuanced than than just the, the than, than just the money printing. I mean, ultimately, the price of anything, as any high school economics student knows, is based on supply and demand. So you've got multiple sides of it. The demand side of things, they they artificially juiced that by printing vast quantities of money and finding the most creative ways ever to dole that out to everybody. So they had the PPP and they had the, the I mean, they were just putting money directly in people's bank accounts. I mean, <laughs> what is that? I just put, here's money. So they, they, they literally conjured money out of thin air at the central bank. They loaned it to the federal government and the federal government gave it to the treasury department, to the IRS, which just put it in people's bank accounts. And then they gave a bunch of money to banks and said, here you go, loan this out to everybody, but they're not really loans. They're really forgivable loans. So it's really just another kind of, uh, you know, another form of free money. And then they gave more free money to the states and the individual states went out and gave people even more free money. And all this, not to mention people had nothing to do because everybody was told, sit in your basement and, and be terrified of the, of the virus. That's what Fauci told everybody to do. So that's what everybody did. So people have all this money accumulated in their bank account, all this free money and absolutely nothing to do with their lives. And so of course, consumption, consumption, consumption. That's what Americans do best is you know, people consume. And so, yeah, the demand side was artificially juiced on the supply side. They told everybody to stay home and not work. And so supply was obviously constrained, but supply has also been constrained through a number of different ways. It wasn't just, uh, I think, COVID and public health policy. It's been a lot of things. We look at, uh, for example, energy policy and environmental policy. You'd think with oil prices having been as strong uh, as they have been over the past year that everybody would be out there like crazy drilling and, and, and all building new pipelines, everything they can do to profit from high oil prices, but they can't because there's they, the federal government and this federal government in particular, and there's been state governments as well that have gone out of their way to make things difficult for oil and gas companies. And frankly, it's not just governments, it's some of these unelected emperors the Larry Finks and the Klaus Schwabs of the world that have basically said oil companies are evil and we don't want to fund them anymore. And if you actually look at the statistics uh, and even a lot of anecdotal evidence from oil executives, and you can see, especially from, from exploration companies, you can see the amount of private equity funding and bank financing going into oil and gas, particularly exploration companies, has really dried up, has really dried up. There's been a substantial, astonishing decrease. And a big part of that is, is these uh, these big money managers like BlackRock, 
Um, BlackRock, you know, runs all these uh, mutual funds and ETFs and so forth. So if you, they, they manage 401k programs, all these things. And so you might have your money invested in some BlackRock fund without even realizing it, frankly. And what these guys do is they aggregate all of those dollars that are under their management and essentially take that voting power for themselves. And they go and aggregate all that money and all that voting power. And they go to companies and they say, we want you to stop you know, giving money. We want you to stop loaning money. We want you to stop investing in oil and gas companies. And if you don't do that, if you don't listen to us, then we're going to take the money away. Yep. So of course, you know, of course the banks do that. And so, well, what a surprise. You know, so it's, it's actually not just the government. It's the, it's these people who are, you know, frankly, unelected. Nobody elected Larry Fink to be their, to be their emperor. Nobody elected Klaus Schwab to dictate what kind of environmental policy should be or whether or not they, they want to pay, you know, whatever, however, however much money at the pump for, for gasoline, nobody ever elected these people who gave them the authority to do that, but they have essentially seized this power for themselves and based on their dictates makes it a lot more difficult for, uh, for companies to produce. And so this is, this is really part of the supply and demand imbalance is that there's been so much demand and really very little supply um, in return. And then on top of that, you've got the central banks that are printing trillions and trillions of dollars and, and you know, and shoving that into the economy, and then there are some structural issues uh, as well. Um, you know, it's a sort of more nuanced macroeconomic issues. But yeah, I, I do believe that inflation is relatively easy to understand, especially if you look at both sides of it, supply and demand. I don't think that there's uh, anything on the horizon with any of these political solutions. I mean, the fact that they clearly a major contributor to this has been all the money that's been printed. They refuse to acknowledge that. And their solution is, oh, well, you know, the, the, the government engineered this problem, or certainly at least was a major architect in helping to engineer it. And now the government's somehow going to steer us out of it by coming up with more spending and, and you know, more, more money printing. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost, it would be comical if we didn't actually have to live through it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, some names there that are part of the group that I call the elites. Uh, George Soros is also in that group. Uh, and you're right. They were never elected. And, you know, I've said this over and over. Uh, this is uh, a lot of this, a lot of it. And, and, and this is just my personal belief uh, from the research I've done is by design. And it's funny that you mentioned BlackRock uh, because I just did a report on them and where they, they took their investors in last quarter, uh, they lost like 1.5, I can't remember the exact number, trillion dollars of other people's money, their investors' money, uh, due to investing in uh, woke policies. And, uh, you know, I mean, I've I seen so many reports and people are saying, well, BlackRock actually runs the country. No, no, but they do have ties in our government that they shouldn't have for just actual civilians and citizens. Uh, but yeah, they're, uh, they've lost a lot of money. It wasn't their money, but, uh, they have, well, that's, that's, that's the whole point. You mentioned Soros and, and, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of nope. Soros, but that we're uh, at least give credit to Soros. The guy spends his own money, right? I mean, Soros made a lot of money and he's spending his own money. He goes out and he funds these, these woke prosecutors who, whose favorite thing in the world is, turning criminals back out on the streets and, and, and all these things. It's, it's just been a, a total disaster for the country. And he had the gall to go into the Wall Street Journal recently and write a write a, uh, an editorial basically saying, yes, I, I, this is exactly what I'm doing. I'm not hiding 
from it. I admit it. I acknowledge it. I'm proud to do it. I'm going to keep doing it. Um, you know, and there's a part of me, I, I think it's a terrible idea, but I at least respect the honesty that he's, he's not trying to hide behind it and he's doing it with his own money. Um, again, nothing about it, I think is a good idea. I think it's a terrible idea um, and everything he's doing, but at least he's doing it with his own money. Larry Fink is doing it with our money. Yep. Anybody that's invested in BlackRock, any fund, any 401k, any kind of managed investment program, your company's treasury account, whatever, it's invested in BlackRock. BlackRock's doing it with your money. Larry Fink isn't doing it with his money. He's doing it with your money. Klaus Schwab isn't doing it with his money. Klaus Schwab is, doesn't really have very money. He's, he's, he's just some dude who started a, a, a conference, right? But yep. now he's, you know, he's going around. He's been able to curry all of this political favor with everybody. He brags about how he can get to any politician anywhere in the world you know, and get meetings with these people and have all this influence and, and, and cabinets and governments all over the world. And, and it, it's funny is because these are the same people who constantly lament that democracy is under attack. You know, I'm sorry, but you're the problem, right? These, these are the same people that are, that are the problem because that's not how a democratic republic is supposed to work. The people in charge are supposed to have been elected as representatives of the people. Nobody elected Klaus Schwab. Nobody elected Larry Fink. Nobody elected any of these people, and they've taken all this power for themselves. Yep, they want to usher in this new world order, uh, and there might be a better word for it. I don't know, but where uh, economics and healthcare and everything is globalized. And uh, uh, Charles Schwab—that's the whole reason for the conference in Sweden that he started. But. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's a whole other episode. <laughs> Klaus, Klaus Schwab, yeah. Yeah, I, I do think there's a better term for it, and, and the term is the Great Reset. And you... the reason that's the better term is because that's literally the term that, I mean, Klaus Schwab literally wrote a book called The Great Reset. So, I mean, that's they, they're not shy about it. They're saying straight up, this is what it is. And they, they, he wrote an entire book. And, you know, you know, this is this is this is what my vision of the world is and what the world should be. And basically using the pandemic as an excuse to, you know, be this the architect of of what this world should look like. The Great Reset. That's what it's called. That's what they call it. Yep. You're absolutely right. I mean, you're 100 percent right. I've read that book. Uh, and, uh, you know, basically uh, he, he took a famous saying, uh, you'll own nothing and be happy. You right. Know? it's actually in his book. So, yeah, I've read that book and uh, a part of my research. And uh, it's it's pretty scary. Uh, and I think I really do believe that they uh, when President Trump was elected, he put it. They, they never thought Trump would beat Hillary. They just they didn't think it would happen. And when he actually won, uh, he put their plan behind for the Great Reset. And I think now that they've got this fake President Biden in. Uh, that's why so many people are waking up. So it's actually a good thing in a way, but they've, uh, they've sped up their 30 year plan. It's no longer 2030. They're trying to do everything right now. I mean, all you have to do is just do a little research and look at, uh, not the mainstream media news, but the actual news. And, uh, you can see it firsthand. They are, they are doing everything and it's like, they've got to do it right now, right now, right now. One of the things I thought that was very interesting was uh, it was a couple of months back in the, in the midst of a lot of the the complaints about inflation uh, that were coming. And all of a sudden, then the, the White House started saying, you know, because before they were gaslighting people and saying, no, there's no inflation. And then they they jumped on that transitory train and say, yeah, it's transitory. It's transitory. 
you know, and then they, then they, you know, then, then there was, you know, it was the denials and it was, well, it's the strongest economy. And, you know, and they, I remember one speech that, uh, that Biden gave, he was saying, well, you know, if you, if you don't look at used cars, inflation's not really that bad. Well, then they changed their tune again. And they said, uh, well, this is all part of a, of an economy in transition. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, then this is like, whoa, 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 like, whoa, whoever said the economy was transitioning, you know, when did that become the thing all of a sudden? Right. And, yep. and that was, ne- that was never part of your policy. That was never part of your campaign. That was never part of the, 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 even the, the democratic party platform is not part of anything. Nobody ever said that we're going to transition the economy. But now all of a sudden they start saying, Oh, we're, we're the economy's in transition. So you might be right. I mean, I, I, my view on these things, um, you know, and you, you call them the elites, and clearly I think there are people out there that have taken, you know, grabbed a lot of power for themselves, political power, economic power, et cetera. My view on that's always been that uh, there are always disparate interests uh, and competing interests, and, it, and it's very hard to get, I mean, if you look at Congress, right, that's only 435 people in the House of Representatives. You can't get these people on the same page, right? It's, so it's hard for me to imagine so many people uh, being on the same page because there's always competing interests. And I think that what, you know, Larry Fink and Klaus Schwab's interests are may actually be in conflict with whatever, Sergey Brin's uh, interests at Google, which is gonna be different than Mark Zuckerberg's interests, which would be a little bit different than Bill Gates's interests, et cetera. And the thing is everybody's got their soapbox and everybody's got the thing that they're, that they're concerned about and the things that they prioritize. Um, I don't know necessarily that there is this uh, one common thing that everybody's all on the same page and, and, and marching forward with that. And uh, it, if anything else, that 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 kind of competition and in, in, in ideology and in, in vision from all these people may actually be the thing uh, that, that helps protect us from it, uh, because there are so many competing interests there. But I think ultimately why I said the light that I see at the end of the, at the, end of the tunnel is that Honestly, I think they're they're rapidly losing power because they're so rapidly losing credibility. You look at these studies and nobody trusts the government, nobody trusts Congress, nobody trusts the president, nobody trusts the banks, nobody trusts the tech companies, nobody trusts the media, nobody trusts nobody trusts the polls that come up with those that come up with those numbers even to begin with. Nobody trusts anything. Everybody knows it's a joke when you when you when you watch Pelosi on TV running her mouth, everybody knows that she's a liar. When you watch Joe Biden running his mouth about something, everybody knows he's incompetent and you can't trust a word that he says. Everybody knows these things. When you see somebody on CNN running their mouth, everybody knows it's a lie. It's just propaganda. It's, 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 it's so, and they've done it to themselves. And they wonder like, oh, why doesn't anybody trust us? They can't, they, it's so confounding to them. You know, when they were running around talking, talking about, Everything from you know, when mostly peaceful protests. They can't understand why people don't trust them when they say things anymore. And the fact is that you're right. There are so many sources now and so many different ways that people can organize themselves and people can educate themselves and people can do things on their own. You don't have to. I mean, in, in, in so many different aspects of your life, you don't you, you can you don't you don't even have to have a normal job anymore. I mean, there's so many things that you can do to you know, sort of strike out on your own and, and, and have your own business and make a decent living for yourself without having to go and work for some big giant corporation that you don't trust. You don't have to, you know, you don't, you don't even have to hold, if you don't trust the currency, you don't even have to hold the currency. You know, you can, I mean, you can have cryptocurrency, you can have 
prizes medals. You can have this, you have there's a lot of competition there. You don't have to invest in any traditional investments anymore because there are, you know, if you don't trust the market and you don't trust the central banks, et cetera, well, guess what? There's so many other options that are available to you in terms of alternative investments. And so the, the, the power that these people have used to have over us, not to say that they still don't have power, but it's waning. It's waning because people are finally starting to realize, you know what, this whole this whole thing is rigged. It's stupid, and you know I'm 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 fed up with it, and I'm going in a different direction. And that's the light at the end of the tunnel that I see. Yeah, they're waking up absolutely, and I look for uh, I look for November to be uh, a huge wake up call uh, for these uh, liberals. You know, uh, especially after last night's primary, so uh, which was uh, huge uh, for the uh, conservative party. But yeah, um, and as as far as being on the same page, you're right. They do have different interests, but and uh, I I've mentioned this on several different episodes. Uh, there is one playbook to it all that they're all a part of, and it's a minor. They're the minority, by the way. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it's thousands and thousands. They're very. They're one percent. They are the minority, but this plan has been going on. Oh my goodness. For over 50 years, over 100 years. So, and I'm, you know, like I say, they've sped things up and this has brought a lot of the uh, corruption to light and it's woke a lot of Americans up. And you're right. I think that is the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, what I tell my audience all the time is do not wait for somebody like a Superman to come and rescue us. We have to get out. If you see something happening that's not correct, you need to voice your concern and voice it loud. And then when there's time to vote, even if it's for a school board or anything, make sure you research the person you vote for and make sure they're American first. We're the one, it's in our hands right now, I think. And we're the only ones that can turn this around. Nobody's going to Trump. It's not, this isn't about Trump uh, or Mike uh, Palmo or any of those. Uh, this is about America and our freedoms. And it's going to take us stepping up, voicing our concern. And I think we need to get loud because usually the loudest voice in the room wins. And, uh, you know, I, I just don't see one person. It, this was never about Trump. Never was. 2020 election wasn't about him. Uh, this is a world thing. This is not just about America either. So, And that's just, once again, that's just my opinion. But I do have one question for you before we get off here. And by the way, I've really enjoyed our talk today. And I think the audience uh, uh, is going to really enjoy this. But uh, I have to ask you this. I had it wrote down. <laughs> and uh, this is mainly just for me, I guess. But uh, <laughs> who was the former 1980s rock star who founded a uh, retail brand in Australia that you purchased? Oh, uh, let's let's not go there. Oh, you can't. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 uh, it's a it's uh, yeah. It's a private business, but uh, I'd rather not discuss no, that. No, no problem at all. I am, yeah. you know that that's my era, right? The eighties. So. <laughs> no, same, same. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, James, do you have uh, uh, any social media or anything that you'd like to promote before we go for the? No, no. I mean, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm just uh, here, here to talk about whatever you want to talk about. I'm, I'm not much of a promoter and I actually don't do social media. So, um, you know, but I, I enjoyed the discussion as well. I guess the last thing I would say is uh, in the beginning, I talked about 
that there have always been transitions in wealth and power where we see transitions in uh, you know, the, the dominant superpower, economic systems, reserve currencies, military power, et cetera. We've seen this all throughout human history. And while these things do change from time to time, and sometimes it can seem a little bit tumultuous, the, the power of the individual is, is undeniable. Despite all of this, and you know, our species has been in some really bad predicaments over and over and over again, and yet we've always risen. And betting against human beings has, has, has never been a winning bet. Uh, we always manage to adapt and overcome. And the way we do that is by going back to, you're right, not looking out for a Superman, not looking out for somebody to swoop in and save the day, but it really ultimately comes down to us. And the reality is that we have all the power and all the control over our own lives. We have far more power and influence and control over our financial success over our health, over the education of our children, all these things than they would really want us to believe. So people are starting to realize that. And again, that's the light at the end of the tunnel here is that people are realizing once for all like, oh, wow, I actually do have a lot more control and a lot more say, and I'm in control of myself and I'm in control of my life. And I think the more people kind of realize that, the better off this is all going to be. And I think that's, that's really the light here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree 100% uh, with everything you just said there. Uh, and that's, that is the light. I mean, that's, uh, but we still have, we have to do our duty. Like you mentioned, we have to, uh, we have to get out there. We have to be a part of, uh, especially our kids' education. Boy, that was an eye opener during uh, COVID when they started learning this stuff and uh, figured out what they were actually learning when they started doing it from home. Uh, and, you know, school boards, all this, even if it seems minute, uh, city council, even if it seems minute, make sure you do your research on who you're voting for, folks. And oh, uh, I would I would argue that the local stuff is so much more important, frankly, than the national. Absolutely. Way more important. I mean, the, your local the, the local politicians have way more control over your lives and this the day to day stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I always tell people as well, it's like, you know, you, if, you're, if you're fed up, this is the perfect opportunity to run because everybody else is fed up too. You, you, this might be the perfect point to just launch a, you know, launch a political career and start running for, you know, whatever local office or whatever else because people are so fed up and, and, and being in a, in a position where you have no political experience whatsoever, not tied to anything, that's a major advantage right now. That's a major advantage. So- you know, I, I, I do think that uh, I think there are a lot of options on the table. I think that uh, things will get better. It's not going to get better because of any legislation that's passed. It's not going to get better because somebody, some, some candidate swoops in and saves the day. It's going to get better because individual people make it better. And, and that's, you know, that's the way it's always been literally for the past 5,000 years. Absolutely. Uh, so don't forget, uh, if you ever want to be a guest on the show or you want to uh, comment, on today or any other episode, uh, you can always email us at olkentucky99 at yahoo.com, olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. Also, uh, once again, uh, if you want to look at, uh, and he's got a lot of interesting things uh, on his website, it is www.sovereignman.com. And check that out. Um, 
you've got so much stuff and we just didn't have a chance to get to it. Uh, but uh, the one thing that I did notice was the uh, the opportunities here in the United States uh, that you list. And, and we could go into that, but it, there's so much there. But man, uh, I, once again, I do appreciate it. It does look like also there's a Sovereign podcast. Is that correct? Oh, we do. A, we do a little podcast every Friday. Yeah. Ah, there you go. So uh, you guys be sure to check that out as well. Uh, once again, James, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope to have you back real soon. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much. All right. And you guys have been listening to the Red Pill Current News Podcast. I'm the Kentucky guy. As always, God bless and God bless America. Thank you guys so much.